Welcome to Lake Travis ISD Matters. I am Marco Alvarado, the Executive Director of Communications and Community Relations for the Lake Travis Independent School District located in Austin, Texas, and I have the pleasure of serving as host of this podcast. The purpose of our podcast is to take a deeper dive into matters that are important to our school community. Because if it's one thing we can all agree on, Lake Travis ISD Matters. Welcome to another episode of Lake Travis ISD Matters. We are joined today by two very special guests, our superintendent of schools, Mr. Paul Norton, and our assistant superintendent for business services, Ms. Pam Sanchez. Welcome to each of you. Thank you, Maka. Thank you. So let's get right to it. We are talking about bond. Our school board has called the bond election for November the 8th, and we are in the process of informing our community exactly what is on the ballot this coming fall. And so, Mr. Norton, we will start with you, sir, if we could. Tell us what exactly is a bond election and why our school board has called this particular election. Well, thank you, Marco. A bond election is the tool that we use to go to our taxpayers to ask for permission to build new buildings or to renovate uh, existing facilities. So we have to go to our taxpayers to get that approval. Voter approval through a bond election is what allows us to sell bonds to be able to build new facilities. And so we take recommendations from our committee and we take, they make those recommendations to the school board uh, and then we have to go through the bond approval process uh, to see if we can borrow the funds to build those buildings. And the school board has called this election for a variety of reasons. Uh, The main reason is just the growth that we continue to see uh, here in Lake Travis ISD. We work with a group called PASA, Population and Survey Analysts, and they work with us on our demographic studies. Uh, We do one every two years uh, in Lake Travis. We've done that for many years here. But in the last 18 months, we've done two different uh, demographic studies just because of the impact from COVID, uh, knowing that people have continued to move here and, and even to some extent accelerated growth during COVID and looking at those growth trends. What, what have we seen as far as a community, as far as student enrollment? And so working with PASA, they give us different growth rate scenarios and we always use the moderate uh, growth rate scenario and looking at their projections uh, from now until 2031, on average, it's almost a 3.5% increase in annual enrollment a year between now and 2031. So our numbers show that in 2031, we'll have about 15,700 students here in Lake Travis. Today, we have close to 11,500. So we're looking at close to 4,000 more students uh, before we get to 2031. We um, worked with a committee and they made recommendations to our school board. And so that is why the school board has called this bond election based on the recommendations from our long range uh, facilities planning committee. As I understand it, there are three different propositions on the ballot, propositions A, B, and C. And so Mr. Norton, can you just highlight the propositions and what's included in each please? Absolutely, be happy to. Uh, So there's three different propositions, uh, proposition A, B, and C. And what we've done is we've taken the recommendations from the uh, Long Range Facilities Planning Committee. They made recommendations to our school board in June. Uh, and some of those recommendations are to build high school number two, um, build two additional elementary schools. So Rough Hollow Elementary was our last elementary school. That was elementary number seven. So this would build elementary schools number eight and number nine here in Lake Travis, as well as doing some additions and upgrades at Lake Travis High School 
campus and district renovations and improvements uh, just across the district, as well as filling out and completing our facilities condition assessment, which was done in 2016. And that what that is, is that's basically keeping our facilities up to date, replacing HVAC, replacing roofs, making sure that we don't get in any type of scenario where we have deferred maintenance. Also, technology. Uh, technology is a big piece uh, of the bond uh, process as well. Just looking at the different uh, learning tools that our students will need, as well as infrastructure, um, safety and security, all those things that encompass uh, technology. Technology is so much more than just the laptops, projectors, monitors. Uh, there's so much that goes into the technology piece. And then also land acquisition. Uh, this bond has about $15 million worth of funds available for land acquisition uh, for the years ahead because we know that we're going to continue to need property for campuses, and so we have to have the money in the bond to pay for that. So when you look through the different propositions that are on uh, this election cycle, um, again, there's three different propositions. Proposition A uh, is the facilities. It is uh, $548 million for the building of the facilities across the district, including high school number two, the two elementary schools, um, as well as some additions uh, across the district on current facilities to make sure that we continue to adjust to the growth that our community is seeing. And so we want to make sure in this bond election that we are, uh, being pro we are being proactive, preparing for the future, uh, and not just trying to keep up with where we are uh, because we do know the growth is coming. And as we master plan the district as a whole, it's very important to have those pieces in place uh, as students uh, come to Lake Travis ISD. Proposition B uh, is the technology piece of the bond election. Um, it is almost $61 million worth uh, of funds for, for technology, for learning devices, for infrastructure. Uh, there's a great presentation on our district website about the technology piece um, that Chris Wohl, our Executive Director for Technology Information Systems, presented to the board uh, in June. And so that, this encompasses uh, those pieces uh, in Proposition B. And then Proposition C uh, is $94 million almost of uh, athletic facilities, et cetera. And so when you look at Proposition C, a big piece uh, of that is the athletic facilities, et cetera, for high school number two. And so high school number two, we would need an additional football stadium, tennis courts, baseball, softball fields, field house, weight rooms, locker rooms, all the things that we have uh, and a traditional high school has uh, in the state of Texas, having those facilities for our students to be able to participate. Also, some additions at Hudson Bend Middle School uh, and some renovations at Hudson Bend Middle School. Uh, also, at Lake Travis Middle School, um, again, this bond issue is over a five- to seven-year uh, timeline. It's not something that everything is going to be done in one year. And so, for example, one of the pieces is the athletic turf replacement uh, at the stadium at Lake Travis Middle School. That doesn't have to be done immediately, but we have to have the funds available for when that time comes to replace that turf, and that is in this bond package. And then in addition to that is renovations and upgrades to our facilities uh, at Lake Travis High School, making some renovations uh, at the football stadium, uh, adding turf to the baseball and softball fields. This has become something that is growing uh, in across the state of Texas. 
mainly because of just cost savings by implementing turf uh, on our athletic fields. It's been that way in football for several years now, but just the maintenance and upkeep of grass fields for athletic purposes, in, in, using turf on those facilities helps ensure that the facilities are safe for our students and just the maintenance and upkeep of those facilities. It's true cost savings in the long run by having turf on these facilities, and it's also safer for our student athletes. So that is also in this um, bond package. In addition to the women's field house, our women's program continues to grow, do great things uh, for Lake Travis High School, and so we want to make sure that we have plenty of space uh, for our women's uh, athletes in the women's field house, renovating restrooms at all of our athletic facilities, addition at the men's field house as well, again, continuing to grow, uh, having hitting bays for our golf team. Uh, as we continue to grow as a district, we want to make sure that we have great programs across the board. And one thing that we want to make sure is that we continue to have a great golf team. And so having a hitting bay for them as well as putting greens, there may be a day in time come when we don't have access to some of the golf courses uh, in the area. We want to make sure that we continue to have a, a great, strong golf program as well. And then lighting at all of our fields as well as fencing uh, and seating at the track stadium at Lake Travis High School. And so all these different, uh, these three different propositions are listed uh, on, the, on the ballot um, this time. Another piece of the ballot that's uh, very important is, is just how that ballot is laid out. And so when you look at the ballot, it has the language that's on the ballot. Um, our taxpayers will either uh, vote for or against each proposition. So all three propositions, uh, our taxpayers will have the option to vote on, uh, either for or against. And um, again, the three propositions is completely... And that's different. I don't mean to interrupt you, Mr. Norton, but I think you hit on a very key point. That is different from what our taxpayers have previously seen in elections. Tell us why. Yes, it's very different from what we've seen in the past. So the last bond election we had in 2017, it was just one proposition. You either voted for it or you voted against it. The laws changed in 2019 that now require us to have different propositions based on what the bond election covers. So, for example, if you have renovations to a stadium with more than 1,000 uh, seating capacity, it has to be a separate proposition. Um, if you're building a, a performing arts facility, it has to be a separate proposition. Even the technology piece um, with the part of security and things that are integral to the construction, that can be in Proposition A with our facilities. But the rest of technology is in a separate proposition. So that's Proposition B. That's your learning tools. That's all the things that we have for our students to have access at home, in the classrooms, servers, cabling, wiring, all those things that have to be replaced over time are part of a different proposition. So that is a significant difference from 2017 uh, when we last had a bond election. Another piece of the law that has changed uh, is the at the end of each proposition, there's a sentence that says this is a property tax increase. This is exactly the same as when we had our VATRE election back in the fall, commonly or previously referred to as a penny swap. But the last line of each proposition says this is a property tax increase. And so it's very important that our community understand that it's not a property tax rate increase but it is a property tax increase and that language is on there just because of the debt that the tax rate will generate, the dollars that the tax rate will generate will help pay off this debt 
down the road. So you're right, Marco, the, there are some significant differences on the ballot and how the ballot will look this year as compared to 2017. Now we're going to hear from Pam Sanchez, our CFO, about the actual impact to the taxpayer. So Pam, tell us about the tax rate. In particular, what or how is a tax rate comprised? Yes, Marco. So school districts' total tax rate is comprised of a maintenance and operation rate, also referred to as M&O, and an interest in sinking or INS tax rate. So in Texas, the funding of public education is by means of local taxes and state funds and is based on daily student attendance and attendance of those students in certain programs. So the amount of local tax revenue generated is based on two factors, property value appraisals and the total tax rate levy. So we've heard also or throughout the last couple of weeks of, of presentations that we'll talk about in a minute, we've heard about how does this impact the taxpayer? Again, pass or fail, how would this impact our property taxes? So your school district tax rate will remain the same whether the bond election passes or fails. So there is no increase to the tax rate. Um, how is this possible? Well, through aggressive debt management over the last nine years, the district has refinanced $257 million of debt at a lower interest rate, and we've also paid off $123 million of debt prior to the maturity of those bonds for a total interest savings to our taxpayers of $120 million. This creates the ability to issue the bond package with no impact to the tax rate. So now the difference between the tax rate versus a tax bill um, is that our homeowner's tax bill will increase or decrease based on the appraised value of their property, even though the tax rate remains the same. Now, something also to note is the homeowners um, that are 65 or older who have filed their homestead exemptions will not see an increase in their school property taxes due to the bond proposition. A lot of times we get asked, you know, how do we compare it to other districts? So if you could just in general, just tell us briefly, how does our tax rate compare to other districts in the area? So when you're looking at school district tax rates at other districts around us, we have to take into consideration that Lake Travis ISD is considered a fast growth school district with an average historical growth rate of, as Mr. Norton said, just about three and a half percent, which translates into approximately 400 students per year coming into our schools. And typically, fast-growth school districts need additional facilities to accommodate the growth and must issue bonds to build those facilities. Therefore, the debt side of the tax rate, or the INS side, tends to be higher in those type of districts as compared to the other districts that may have little or no growth in student enrollment. Therefore, a comparison of other districts in our area must take this into consideration because we do all we can do to keep the tax rate as low as possible. So in our area, looking at the districts around us, we are one of the lowest in our area. We have to take into consideration on top of that, that our board approved the additional homestead exemption of 20%. And what that means is for our taxpayers, that reduces the amount of home value that you're taxed on and the amount you pay each year. And Pam, you know, one thing that we hear often in our community is school district taxes keep going up each and every year. But that's not the case, is it? In fact, it's been decreasing for the last few years. That is true, Marco. So if you look at our historical tax rates, so let's say 
from 2013 to 2018, the ta total tax rate was steady at $1.40.75. And then in 2019, so during those, those years, the M&O tax rate was $1.04. So the M&O side, the maintenance and operations side, was $1.04 until we had successful TREs in 2017 and 2021 when the M&O tax rate was increased by two cents while decreasing the INS side of the tax rate by two cents. But then beginning in 2019 under House Bill 3, we saw a decrease in the um, M&O tax rate of seven cents and then continued to see decreases each year in 2020, 2021, and 2022. The INS rate remained unchanged um, in 21 and in 22. So overall, and the the slide is, or uh, the, the graph and everything that you can visualize and see is in the presentation that um, is posted to our website. You'll see a total tax rate decrease of 19.54 cents since 2018. Thank you for that explanation. Yeah, there's a lot of detail there as well as Mr. Nord mentioned, you know, with the propositions and now you're talking about taxes. That is a lot to digest, but again, all that is on our website. I uh, hope our listeners, you know, take a moment to, to go in and take a deeper dive into uh, how this uh, election will impact uh, our taxpayer. We hear from time to time about the use of funds. You know, can bond dollars be used to fund salaries? Can bond dollars be used to fund, you know, whatever it may be? Tell us what bond dollars can and cannot do. So on the uh, maintenance and operations side of the tax rate, those funds are used predominantly for staff salary and benefits. Over 85% of our budget is in, in our salaries, our payroll costs um, for our staff here at the school district. But also included, we um, pay for student services such as health services, guidance and counseling, um, contracted service. We have instructional materials and resources also um, used for our students, along with staff development, um, a big cost is our utilities cost, um, along with maintenance of the facilities. So not major projects, not major capital projects, but we do fund maintenance of our facilities um, through the maintenance and operations side of our tax rate. And then the other side is our INS tax rate, which is our debt service tax rate. Those are funds are used to pay principal and interest on our bonds. We use that side as well, those uh, resources to redeem bonds early. Um, that's how we pay off our debt early and save in interest um, costs to our taxpayers. We cannot use the debt service side of the tax rate for operational costs such as staff or supplies or instructional materials for students. As public school employees, as you know, we are not able to advocate for or against a measure in any way, shape, or form. Our jobs, of course, is to provide public information to educate our, our voters. But Mr. Norton, let's talk about the what if. What if this bond, either one of the three or any combination of the three, what if there's a, a if it fails? When you're looking at all three propositions, any or all of them could fail. And so depending on which ones fail, which ones pass, we would respond accordingly based on that. But just looking big picture, if they were to fail, um, the growth in our community would not stop. We would continue to have to find a way to ensure that we have great classroom space for our students uh, here in Lake Travis. 
And so one of the things that we would do, it was we would rezone our attendant zones uh, for our campuses, uh, specifically the elementary campuses. When you look at our enrollment numbers um, across the district in our elementary schools, there are some schools that have more capacity than other schools. And so we would have to rezone uh, the attendant zones for those elementary schools to ensure that we are using those facilities to capacity. Um, you don't want to do that unless you just absolutely have to, um, because when you look at different campuses that may have more capacity now, you very well may in 5, 10, 12 years, those campuses have the most enrollment because as neighborhoods turn over and people move into our community, though we may have families that move out of homes that don't have children and families that move in that do have children. So when you look at rezoning, you want to be very careful. But if we are not able to, um, if Proposition A does not pass and we're not able to build additional campuses, we would have to rezone our elementary schools. We would also look at our middle school attendant zones and would we need to adjust those uh, in any form or fashion because, the, again, the growth will continue. The families will continue to move here because the houses are being built. Uh, we would also uh, start purchasing portables. Uh, we would work with the different cities and different entities to get uh, those approved, get portables on our campuses uh, to where we would have classroom space for those students. We would have to analyze and see where those portable buildings would have to go, uh, what campuses they would be on. Um, but to get classrooms, we cannot go out and build buildings unless we pass the bond issue. And so knowing that uh, we would have to have the classroom space, the portables would be our option to build classroom space. That would happen at the high school because of the growth that continues to happen at the high school, as well as some of our elementary uh, campuses. Our middle schools, we would probably be okay for a little while uh, before we had to start doing portables there because we still have capacity at all three of our middle schools since BK Middle School opened uh, a few years ago. Uh, but those would be the first things that we would look at is rezoning those uh, elementary campuses uh, as well as um, determining where we need those portables uh, because then you have to get utilities to those portables, go through the permitting process for those portables, and to be able to get them set and in place uh, as soon as possible based on the growth projections that are coming for each year. So, Pam, we've heard in the community uh, about just the sheer number, the $703 million and how, you know, some folks have sticker shock, and we we could see why. I mean, that is a big number. That, that, that it's a lot of money. But talk to us briefly about what happens if we wait to do some of these projects in the future, and talk to us historically of what our bonds have looked like here at Lake Travis ISD. Great point, um, Marco, because you do look at the total package amount, and we do have significant facilities in there. We have two elementaries, but that high school number two is an impact um, to the total amount of the bond package being proposed. So as we all know, construction costs have significantly increased over the past year, two years, um, due to supply chain issues, due to labor costs, um, fuel you know, costs. But new school construction, so let's put that into perspective. Rough Hollow Elementary opened two years ago. This will be our third school year in that facility. And we opened that campus in 2020 and paid, um, or it cost us about $33 million for that elementary campus. Since then, the two um, elementaries we're proposing, elementary number eight and number nine, we're looking 
at a price escalation anywhere from 50 to 55 million each for each of those facilities. That's an increase of approximately 22 million. What we have built into those costs, of course, is inflation factor and escalation. Those facilities won't be built immediately. Elementary school number eight will be, and we're estimating about 50 million for that facility. But um, elementary number nine will be down the road a, a year or two after that. And therefore, we have to consider the cost, the construction escalation in those estimates. So when we're talking about high school number two, that's even more because it's further down the road. So if the bond were to fail and we have to push these projects down the road, that's what we're talking about. That's the the savings if we could do these um, facilities in the next five years versus waiting five years or or 10 years um, to put these facilities on the ground, it's going to cost that much more to construct them because the students will continue to come and we will definitely have to have new facilities eventually. Thank you so much for, for clarifying that and, and uh, giving us that historical perspective. And so, Mr. Norton, well, I want to start to bring this to a close, but I, uh, if my numbers are correct, you've uh, I've already presented to eight different groups in the past, oh gosh, what, 10 days or so, and there's many more to come. Uh, the calendar for the next uh, seven to eight weeks is uh, is very demanding, but that's that's the expectation, right? That is what we need to do to again educate our our public and our and our voters. Talk to us a little bit about the feedback. What's been the buzz when you've gone out there with your admin team? You know what what are the concerns? What are you hearing out there? Yes, uh, great feedback from the meetings that we've had so far. Uh, truly appreciate the questions and comments and concerns. Uh, but I can tell you that most of the feedback, a vast majority of the feedback that we have received has been very positive. Um, how we make sure that um, we're getting this information out to our community, to our taxpayers, especially the sentence about this is a property tax increase, explaining what that means uh, and making sure that people understand why this bond amount is so much higher than years past. Pam mentioned that, uh, talking about inflation, just when you look at the elementary schools, Rough Hollow Elementary costs about $33 million to build. Uh, elementary number eight will be about 50 to $55 million to build. It's just that increase in cost. And we've done a really good job of embedding that inflation into our projections and knowing that that's where we're going to be. And so we don't want to have to come back to the taxpayers and say we didn't ask for enough. We'd much rather be in a scenario where, okay, we didn't spend all of this and we, we didn't sell these bonds and we're able to uh, to keep that from going uh, against our tax rate. Um, we've also had a lot of questions about when these campuses will open. We've talked a lot about the what and then the process. Uh, so elementary number eight, if the bond were to pass uh, on November 8th, elementary number eight would open in the fall of 24. And so we're in two years from now, that campus would be open, kids would be on that campus. Uh, elementary number nine right now is projected to open in the fall of 25. We'll keep a close eye on our projections. If we need to push that back a year, we definitely can. Um, but it comes also comes into the cost analysis of that piece um, as well. High school has been a huge topic of conversation. Uh, high school number two, how will that work? What is that process? Um, what will that look like? One thing that our uh, long-range facilities planning committee spent a long time on was the high school piece. Uh, we knew that. Uh, when we worked with PASA before, uh, and in years past, we've just gotten kind of projections down the road. This time we asked them, what is the build-out for Lake Travis? What What is the number of students that we will have at Lake Travis High School one day? 
And so they're very vague guesstimates uh, because there's so many variables that go into that projection for that far down the road is we would have about 5,500 high school students here in Lake Travis. So when you look at a second high school, you want to be very careful with how you design that because a second high school can truly split a community. You don't want uh, a second high school to come in and and ruin the, the great uh, programs that we have here in Lake Travis, the great community support that we have here in Lake Travis. And so the committee was very intentional of, okay, how do we balance this out to have a second high school, but also to keep everybody together. Um, so high school number two would have a capacity of about 2,000 students uh, at the max, at the, the height of its enrollment, which means Lake Travis High School at that same point would be about 3,500 students, so a little bit smaller than it is today. And so the high school would open, anticipated open, uh, in the fall of 27 because we've done no prep work. We've done no planning for the high school because there hasn't been funds available through the bond process to design uh, and start looking at high school number two. So it would take us about two years to design high school number two and then about two years to build high school number two. Uh, we already have the property out on uh, Rymers Peacock Road for the uh, second high school. And so that would open uh, projected now in the fall of 27 with a capacity of 2,000 students. It would not open with 2,000 students. It would open with that capacity. And so we would start the high school with more than likely it will be ninth and 10th graders that will be on that campus. That gives you a volume of students to have some great programs and opportunities for students uh, at high school number two and also room to grow. Um, and so um, that sophomore class that starts at High school number two would be the first junior class the next year and then ultimately be the first graduating class from high school number two. And so by having the difference in level of 2,000 students versus 3,500 students, the whole community can support both schools because they won't be competing against each other for championships, district championships, anywhere down the road. And so that is was very intentional on the committee's part. And we get lots of questions about how that process will work. We'll have the same offerings at high school number two that we have at Lake Travis High School. You've got to understand high school scheduling uh, is based on student course selection. And so you may have a program at Lake Travis High School that doesn't make at high school number two or vice versa, just because of the request and the needs of the students. But everything will be offered at um, high school number two that is that, that will be offered um, at Lake Travis High School. And so um, that is that's most of the feedback uh, questions that we've gotten about uh, in our meetings. We have lots of meetings to go. I look forward to lots of great conversations and, you know, just truly appreciate uh, the planning committee and what they did uh, throughout this whole process to get us to this point. Uh, and we look forward to hearing more comments from our community as we continue to present. So the one question I get often, whether it's word of mouth or, you know, via email, coworkers, is what can I do? Well, I, I tell them, Three things. One, visit our website, ltisdschools.org slash bond. Get educated on, on what's on the, on the ballot, the three propositions. There's a lot of information on our website. Two, register to vote. If you're not registered to vote, the deadline is October 11th. So visit the Travis County Elections website for more information and register to vote if you're not yet registered. And three, and more importantly, is vote. Early voting starts October 24th and runs through November 4th, and Election Day is November the 8th. So again, exercise your right to vote. We can't tell you how to vote. You vote your conscience, what you think is best for you and your family, but vote. 
uh, Mr. Norton or Pam, if you've got anything else uh, to, to add or, or to, to share with our listeners. Uh, if not, then I want to thank you both for, for being here on, uh, on our podcast. And again, visit our website for more information. Uh, you know, come out to one of our presentations. We do have a district-wide uh, town hall community presentation on October 20th at our Performing Arts Center. We'll begin more information out to our, to our public about that. I think that brings us to the close of this episode of, uh, of our podcast. So, Mr. Norton, thank you so much for your time. Pam Sanchez, thank you very much as well. Thank you very much for listening to Lake Travis ISD Matters. Thank you for listening to Lake Travis ISD Matters, the official podcast of the Lake Travis Independent School District. Learn more about our great district. Visit our website at ltisdschools.org.